Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. With me today is Zach Matthews. He's an author, blogger, and online sports career coach. During his sports sales career, he worked for teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Arizona Coyotes. He teaches students, athletes, and business professionals how to fulfill their dream of working in the sports industry. He also believes that with the right self-discipline model in place, a person can achieve any professional or personal goal that they desire. I love that. Thank you, Zach, for being in Back to Basics. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is exciting because I know in my audience I have bunch of young people that, you know, sports is a big component of their life. So I'm excited and curious to, to hear about your journey. And I understand you're based in Tampa. Right? I am. Yes. Yep. Are you originally from Tampa? Uh, no, I'm, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. You mentioned that I, I used to work for the Bucks, and my, uh, my wife still works for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's why we're still here in Tampa. Oh, that's exciting. Well, tell me, tell me about your upbringing and I'm sure sports was part of it, but tell me about your journey, who you were as a, as a young boy. And if you ever envisioned you would end up with a career in what you're doing right now. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would have envisioned it, but it, it does make sense looking back growing up. I mean, I mentioned that I was originally from St. Louis, Missouri. I mean, as you pointed out, I, I, I grew up playing sports. I was, uh, it was one of those things. My, my, my parents were big on just keeping the kids busy with sports and always having activities to do. So uh, in the fall, it was soccer and, and in the winter, it was basketball. And then in, in the spring, it was baseball or, or I ended up playing lacrosse in high school. And uh, so I just focused on on sports. Basically, they kept me out of trouble. And and just a, a little backstory, you know, I, I I mentioned playing lacrosse in high school. That's uh, that was my main passion was lacrosse. And so wanted to uh, go play college somewhere. And I didn't really apply myself in high school to be able to go play college somewhere. So I had to go to community college. And, and that, that's a great opportunity for anyone that, you know, either wants to go to a four-year college and may not have the grades for it or just wants to kind of prepare for, you know, life after high school and what it kind of looks like to become an adult. You know, I'm, I'm really big. I'm a big proponent of, of community college and how it can kind of help with that transition. And then after two years uh, of community college, I just kind of got sick of not playing lacrosse anymore. I corrected my grades and everything. And this is kind of where my, you know, passion for self-discipline, as you, as you pointed out, you know, that's where that comes from because I had two paths to take, you know, in, in playing college lacrosse. I could either wait for someone to come calling to me or I could just take initiative and go, you know, reach out to coaches myself and just kind of send them some tape on, on how I played and everything like that. And, um, so I, I reached out to a couple of coaches, a couple of them that were interested in me in high school. And then a couple that I just was interested in the college. And I was really interested in, in doing, pursuing like a sports management degree, which that's what led me to reach out to the coach at the college I actually ended up going to, which was Trine University. And then 
yeah, after that, uh, got to play college lacrosse, uh, majored in sports management, and then just kind of, you know, brief on how I got the role with the Arizona Coyotes, as you pointed out. I uh, that was that was just another self discipline thing, you know. I studied sports management in college, but I didn't really have like connections in the sports world, you know. So again, just had to kind of take initiative myself and and. I called it throwing as many darts on at the dart at the dartboard as possible, you know, just applying anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> you know, I, I was telling people, you know, I was like, I don't care where in America I end up, you know, I just, I just want a shot. And luckily, you know, that brought me to Phoenix, Arizona, one of the most beautiful places in America, but you know, it could have been anywhere. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I got my, my sports, my start in the sports career. And I was a ticket salesman with them and, um, with this this team called the Georgia Swarm, which was a professional lacrosse team, and then eventually with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is what I'm doing here. And then after that, you know, uh, I kind of got to a point in my career where it was either you know take the next step in sports sales and become a manager, or you know figure out pursue another passion of mine. And ultimately, I mean, I this was a roundabout way of getting there, but I decided you know I, I really was interested in like content writing and. And, you know, writing was always a passion of mine. So I, I didn't realize you could make a career out of it until, you know, I was already in my sports sales career. And that's, that's when I just kind of picked up a side gig as a content writer and, you know, ended up getting a lot of clients that were interested in, in my work and had the chance to take it full time. And, and that's what eventually brought me to what I do now. I'm a full time uh, content writer and an author. That's fantastic. I love it. I love and how you took us to all the things and how intertwined they are, because I, I figure that a lot of people don't see those dots and you were able to connect the dots. One of my biggest fear, uh, and I'm not originally from the U.S., but uh, I've been here 25 years. One of the things that shocks me a little bit is how strenuous the parents want their kids to be you know, in the sports world. And I get it. I have a, an 11 year old and I want him to play soccer and all that. But at the same time, I fear sometimes like their life, these kids' lives is going by and they cannot go to a birthday party because they have a match. They have every, I mean, it's almost like too much. And uh, sure. you know, I'm Italian as well. I was born and raised in Venezuela, but in Italy, which is, you know, soccer is big. You see people leaving more than only sports. And one of my fears, and I'm curious about what you think, it's, it's of course here sports is a ticket to an education, as you said. Mm -hmm. So parents, they say, okay, if my kid is really, really good, that's going to pay for school or for a degree, which is a great thought. But at the same time, sometimes I feel we're putting too much stress on these kids to get it done. Um, I know you have a son because I read it somewhere. So what's your take on that? What's, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there is, um, there are those parents out there. We all know them where, you know, they place a little, they, they prioritize sports a little too much. My uh, pastor at my church did a great job. He, he, he once said, you know, he's like, sports don't teach these kids, you know, life lessons. He's like, that's what the parents do, you know? So um, I couldn't agree with you more. And yes, it is a good, a good pathway for a college education, but it's not the only pathway, you know? And I mean, th there's there's so many kids that I knew that were just fo so focused on their sports or their grades to get into college or get a, get that dream job straight out of college that they didn't even get to enjoy, you know, like like you pointed out their childhood or 
their four years of college, you know, I mean, certainly apply yourself, but by all means, like enjoy the process a little bit. So, yeah, th- I mean, there's a fine line and, th- and that's an important part of sports. My, I myself, you know, I'm, I'm not big on the whole, you know, like uh, I'll just use baseball as an example. I know there's, there's a ton of select teams and like, you know, if you want to make it in college, like you got to go to these, uh, uh, what do they call them? They, they call them like basically I'm going to say tryouts, but they're like tournaments and, you know, it's, it's a who's who of like high school prospects. And I think that's, that's a little unhealthy, you know, because like, like you said, you know, these kids are, they're kids, like they should enjoy their childhood because you only get it once. So I couldn't agree more. I mean, it does teach, you know, good communication skills and team skills. And for that, I'm, 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 I'm a big proponent of sports, but you know, there is certainly a fine line as you pointed out. Thank you for that. Yeah, I played sports all my my elementary and high school, but where I was raised in Venezuela, we didn't get like scholarships in right. university or anything of that. So I, I felt there was a little bit less of an edge than here. But I know you help people that want to maybe create have a career in the sports industry. So I think, well, this is a good good advice. Anything else that you want to share in terms of people that decide to make a career in the sports industry? Any any advice that you share uh, with someone that wants to to entertain that idea? Uh, yeah, I, I would say you know it, it depends on where you are, but you know, like in your career, if you're a college kid, you know, my biggest advice would just be to grow your network however you can. You know, if that's an internship with a minor league baseball team in your hometown, you know, if that's just starting a LinkedIn you know, uh, account so that you can just start to connect with people in the sports industry. I mean, what, what you'll find when you step into the sports industry is that it's such a small industry that everybody's so connected. If you don't know someone, if you're not like directly connected to someone, then they know someone that you worked with or something. It's, it's crazy how that works out. I, I, I run into that all the time and it's a good thing. So it's really just about building the network. Someone's going to give you a shot. You know, if you're passionate about sports, you know, and, you know, the other thing is just I didn't do a good enough job of it when I was applying to, to sports jobs is just knowing everything that's out there. You know, there's so much more than I thought my not pun intended. I, I thought my ticket to the sports sale was selling sports tickets, you know, but there there are marketing jobs. There's communication. There's there's public relations. There's uh, my wife does. Uh, she's a purchasing coordinator, which I didn't even know existed until she got the position. And it's such a cool job. I wish I'd known about it. Maybe I would have, you know, tried to get that job for myself. But, you know, there's just so many different ways you can go. And, and it's it's all about growing your network. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Oh, wow. I think that's great advice for any industry. And and I think oh, yeah. it's very important because I think people minimize the importance. Like, you know that who you know it's important. But you even said just now about LinkedIn. I think a lot of... Yeah. A lot of people, and I'm 48, I'm not shy about my age, but I always say my generation is not that used to using, you know, the social media tools mm. to their career. They're more like the the regular traditional resume and all that. So I always tell, you know, even people I work with, you you have to get your act together here because we are still in the workforce. We are still competing for jobs. Absolutely. But things have changed, you know, and, and right. even how people I use LinkedIn to connect, to create that network. And it's, these are very powerful tools. Yeah. And I, you said something even when, when you were telling, sharing about your journey, about taking initiative. I think that's so important, taking the initiative and just targeting people. 
and uh, having genuine intentions, but just know who's out there and who can you reach to to see right. if they can, you know, just, as you say, solidify your network, create relationships and see where that takes you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's, I actually, I had a, a, a guy on, on LinkedIn reach out to me the other day. He, one of my former coworkers at the Bucks, you know, he, he's now with the Florida Panthers and he posted a, a job that they have open. Um, you know, the Florida Panthers, you're down there, they're down in your neck of the woods. Yes, I, I uh, love them. Yeah. So he, they have a job opening. And so I just, you know, reshared it because, you know, that again, that's the beauty of LinkedIn. It's just one person reshares it and that's a whole different network of people that are access to it. A former um, college uh, teammate of mine reached out and said he had a buddy that was interested in the position. You know, he's like, should he apply? Should he just reach out to the guy, you know, directly? And I was like, honestly, he should do both because, you know, I kind of know how the sports industry works it, in that these teams are, you know, their HR departments are the ones posting that job application. And it has to kind of go through, you know, they have partnerships with like teamworkonline.com is a big one for most teams. You know, they have a partnership with them. So the job has to go through. That's part of the partnership is that, you know, they would post any job open jobs that they have. And it kind of goes through the pipeline there. So I told them, I was like, you, you definitely need to apply because your name's going to be in the system that way. But I was like, I know, you know, the, the guy that posted the job, I was like, I know him personally. And I know that he, you'll stick out to him. If you take initiative and reach out to him directly, he's going to remember your name and he's going to love it. You know? So my advice, I mean, you know, you have to apply to the job, right? I mean, they can't accept you if you don't apply to the job, but take initiative, reach out to him. Worst case scenario, even if you don't get that job, you've made a connection now, a meaningful connection, not just, you know, some guy that, they're not going to remember the guy necessarily that, you know, the guy or gal that they just reached out to on a call because he, he or she had applied. Right. But if that person reached out to them first and said, Hey, I applied, this is my name. This is the experience that I have, you know, that's way more meaningful and that's way more memorable. So even, like I said, even if you don't get that job, you've made a connection and maybe there's a better job that opens up that they now know, you know, you're a good fit for. Awesome. I love it. And uh, I know you wrote a book and I definitely going to ask about that. But before we move, I know that one of your missions is to help professionals, but also student athletes achieve, you know, their lifelong dream of working in the sports industry. So I'm curious because I don't know much. I mean, I like some sports. I'm passionate about soccer, but I don't know much about the, the sports industry. I'm curious to know, like, what would you say is like the biggest misconception maybe someone thinks the sports industry is one thing and then this is a surprise to people that enter it's like i didn't expect this was like this and also what's the coolest thing about the sports industry in your view yeah um i think the biggest misconception i don't know if i call it a misconception necessarily but there's a maybe more of a misunderstanding that you know everybody wants to you know work for the an nfl team or a, a nba team or an nhl team because it's it's cool right it's it's cool to have the Buccaneers logo next to your name on a business card. And that's attractive for a lot of people. But what people don't realize is that, you know, it's, it's not as I'll say glamorous as a job. It's a job. Like, you know, it's, you know, at the heart and soul of it, you're, if you're a ticket salesman, you're a salesman, right? You have the, you get the same pushback, the same set of setbacks as any other salesman that's ever tried to sell a product. You know, yes, you're selling tickets to a game and, and you might think, you know, oh, this is an NFL franchise and, you know, selling tickets is going to be as like taking candy from a baby, you know, 
not so much. I mean, if the NFL team isn't doing well, if, you know, if, I mean, performance, there's a lot of factors out of your control that, that, you know, kind of dictate your success. For example, you know, if, if the team's not doing well, it's really hard to sell a ticket, but you know, these days it's pretty easy to sell a, a Bucks ticket because, you know, Tom Brady's there, you know, they just won the Super Bowl, So you just kind of have to deal with, you have to work through that. And, you know, that's not something you really know until you get in the industry for yourself. It's a good problem to have. It's it's like uh, for every other job, it's about timing, right? Your timing might be absolutely. good or your timing might be messed up. That's, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end, you know, if you start to sell, you know, healthcare stuff and the industry isn't trending in the right direction, you have the same set of problems. So that's a very good point. And then the coolest thing is just getting to show up every day at, you know, working for a sports team. I mean, that's, that's the obvious answer, but you know, it's, it's really cool. And, and especially if you have passion for it, it's, it's so much easier to, you know, to show up for work and, and do what you're supposed to do. I mean, I got out of sales because sales wasn't a big passion of mine, but, you know, since sports were a huge passion, it was easy for me to sell because I was passionate about getting people out to a Buccaneers game or a Coyotes game, you know, or a Swarm game. I wouldn't have been as passionate if I was selling, you know, um, medical equipment to to a surgeon, you know, and there are people out there that are passionate about that. It's just not my thing. So that's, that's the really cool, you know, whatever it is that you're doing with the sports team, whether it's marketing, PR, you know, anything, there's a sports element attached to it every single day when you show up to work. And that is for people like me that are passionate about sports, that that's priceless. That's great. That that's I, I think it makes it makes a lot of sense. Everything is about passion, and and you know if you especially if you're in sales or promotion and you cannot you know sound passionate about what you're selling, definitely it's going to be very hard to get it done. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about your book. So you 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 wrote a book called Climbing Your Self Discipline Tree: The yes. Three Stages Essential for Accomplishing Any Goal. I love the title. And Thank you. I definitely love the analogy with uh, self-discipline and a tree. So t- tell us a bit more about it. Sure. So the uh, the the tree, the self-discipline tree itself, it's it's more of just a um, a teaching tool that I use throughout the, the throughout the book. You mentioned the the three phases earlier. The three phases are I don't mind. This is a spoiler, but I don't mind giving it away. <laughs> um, uh, the three the three phases are, are preparation, production, and persistence. And so. Imagine yourself, you know, there's, there's this big, tall tree standing in front of you and you're, you're sitting on the ground, you're looking up at the, at the top of the tree, the top of that metaphorical tree, if you will, that's the goal. That's, that's, that's what you want to achieve, right? So for example, you know, if my goal is to work for a sports team, my self-discipline tree in that scenario at the very top would be me working for a sports team, right? And there are three layers to that, which is three phases. So when you've, first make that climb, you get on that first wave of branches, that's the persist or that's the preparation phase. That's when you're envisioning your goals. You know, you're you're setting some goals, you know, with a, a smart goals. I'm sure you know what that is. You're organizing those goals, setting them up for success. And then you're you're really cutting down any distraction. You're cleansing your life of like these distractions that are going to hold you from refrain you from accomplishing your goal. The second phase is the production phase. And that includes um, executing on those goals, but then also like the the balance where exercise and nutrition come into play with your self-discipline, because I'm a huge proponent. I mean, that that is the sports aspect in me for sure. But 
you know, you cannot have successful self-discipline without exercise and nutrition. I'm not saying you have to be ripped. I'm not saying you have to be, you know, have a bodybuilder's physique, but you just have to, you know, it, it helps with other positive habits in your life if you're really prioritizing those two things and then executing on the goals that you've set for yourself. And then the last phase, the persistence phase is all about just facing failure when, I always say when, not if uh, failure happens, you know, you're going to experience a lot of failure on your way to accomplishing your goal. You know, it's, it, it makes it that much sweeter when you reach the top of the tree. But, you know, so what does persistence look like? Well, it's, it's all about making sure that you have well-being throughout this, this whole process, right? Because if you're not prepared for a failure to happen, then it's going to throw you for a loop. You'll probably quit. You know, you won't, probably won't accomplish the goal because you're going to quit, you know? Um, but then... Realistic, right? I think... Absolutely. They set up these unrealistic goals. And so when, right. they, when the opposite happens, then they just say, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And then, um, you know, just kind of persisting on those goals, going through that adversity and coming out the other side even better than you were before. And then you know, last, the last chapter is just creating accountability for yourself, finding good, healthy mentors that are going to give you some tough love. And I use the the story in my book, you know, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and the J.R.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote Lord of the Rings. Not many people realize that they were actually best friends. And they, both those books were created in, in a group called the Inklings, where they would meet at a pub every Monday night or Thursday night, one of the two. And it wasn't just them. They had other friends too, but everybody was interested in like, they'd share their stories, where they were in their books, projects they were working on. And, you know, the, the other guys would listen and give them feedback, you know, tell them, ah, you're, you're really off with this one, or you need to, you need to do this to kind of tweak it and stuff. And, and the Lord of the Rings and, and Chronicles of Narnia were both products of that accountability formed in that group. So, you know, mentorship and accountability with, with good people that share your goals, it's, influential in, uh, in accomplishing what you want to accomplish. That's great. And would you say, because it's funny, I just recently wrote a, a blog that I write on every Monday for motivation and it's about execution. And because I <laughs> see it over and over, like people with great ideas, with great intentions, but they just fail to execute. And, and definitely it doesn't take rocket science to, to assess that it's self-discipline is, is probably the biggest culprit. And right. so you you were raised with sports around yourself. Me too. I think that's one of the things to go back to my son and what sports give you. If anything, it gives you that self-discipline to train when you don't want to, go up at the game when you don't feel like, et cetera, et cetera. But how, what would you say to someone that maybe wasn't raised like that and, the, and was lacking that self-discipline? Would you still say like you just share mentorship and accountability? What else comes to mind for someone that say, yeah, but it's just I lack the self-discipline. This is why I'm failing. Yeah, I, I would say I say it in, in the book, you know, the, the book itself is, is not to fix you because you're not broken. You know, it's, it's to help you. you everybody has self-discipline in them. It's, it's a matter of un unlocking it. And, uh, you know, not everybody has like that sports background or maybe they don't have parents that kind of showed them what self-discipline looked like. Uh, or the parents was just a bad example of self-discipline themselves, you know, but that's something you can get from mentorship. You know, it's, it's something that can, you can get by just surrounding yourselves with the right people, seeing people that there's a book I read. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but some of them said, you know, it, it, you kind of make a goal of surrounding yourself with people that are doing better than you because 
you know, that automatically springs you into action. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not where I need to be, or I have to get to, you know, this person has something I want, you know, they seem very happy and, you know, so they need to, it just kind of raises your level of internal accountability. Um, but I would just really challenge, you know, self-discipline is so much more about summoning inspiration. You have to find it within yourself. No one can give you self-discipline. You have it in you, but you have to unlock it. And no one can unlock it for you, unfortunately. I kind of talk about it in the book, the difference between motivation and, and inspiration. Motivation is external. And people can push you so far, but you know they can't get you to reach your max potential. Inspiration is, comes from within you; it's internal, and that's what unlocks you know the success. That's where accomplishing your goals really comes into play. I love that, and uh, you know, I I think that all you're doing it's very inspirational and motivational, both things. So I think that's that's uh, that's already a, a secret uh, for success. I know you have. A webpage, sackmatthewswriting.com. Yes. Yep. Matthews with one T. I always have to clarify that. Yes, that's yeah. right. And, and it will be on our show notes. So that's where you really, uh, you know, share a lot of your work. Is there anything inspirational that you're working on? I always like to ask my guests about anything up and coming that, that you're excited about. What, what, what is it that you're working on these days that excites you? Uh, so the, the big thing right now is, uh, it's funny you mentioned you know, right, you have a blog that you write. I also have a blog on that website you just mentioned, ZachMatthewsWriting.com, Z-A-C-H, and then Matthews with one T. There's, there's a blog in there. I have, I have a couple articles on there already, kind of what, you know, we're talking about here. So, uh, yeah, just uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, and you know, one, one of the things that motivate me to do this podcast is to help people stay connected to what makes them tick. I am pretty yeah. sure that there's audience there out there for which sports is one of those things and that they don't know how to include sports. I always say it's not like you have to quit your career. You're a perfect example how you build your career around your passions. But there's other people that probably, you know, are doing something else and they think, these two things are completely exclusive, which I'm pretty sure not. I'm pretty sure they can bake some aspect of the sports industry into into their lives and, and get that fix definitely. that they need. So definitely I would encourage you to to check Zach's uh, webpage because this is part of his mission is to help others, you know, fulfill those dreams that, that might be hanging in there. And so Zach, besides, you know, your own sports activities, which I'm sure makes you think, is there anything else that, you know, when the times are tough and you need to be reminded of what you're passionate about, what your true essence is? What's your go-to thing? Uh, go-to thing, it might be cheesy, but, you know, I'm a dad. And so um, go-to thing is just hanging out with the family. You know, my, my wife and my one-year-old son, you know, they're, uh, it's, it's always fun to hang out with them. You know, at the end of the day, you just close the computer, walk out and just uh, hang out with them the rest of the night. So that always levels you. I mean, you know, you're a parent as well. So nothing levels you more than seeing your child. That's that's fantastic. It's not cheesy. And it's actually a blessing to see the family as that. So I think you're a very lucky man and, and your family, obviously, to have you there. Because I think, because obviously the, the family aspect of our lives brings also stress and things to do. And we have to <laughs> oh, yes. so many things. And I, and I think sometimes people choose to think about that when they think about family. The, rather than thinking of what you just said, like I turn off my computer and just be with the family 
and that's so empowering. And, 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 and I think if COVID gave us something, I think it gave us that appreciation that when, you know, lockdown came and we were all just with our family, thank God the lucky people that have focused on, on having a wholesome family and putting the priorities <laughs> right, they, they were in a good place. And unfortunately, those that didn't work at that found out that there's, there were a lot of cracks in their own day to day. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yep. Uh, well, uh, so I'm I'm very happy to have had you on the podcast. I think you're doing fantastic things. It's definitely an aspect of life, sports that is very important to 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 many people. So I I, I definitely think that uh, your mission is 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 incredible. Yeah, thank you so much. I I really appreciate you having me on, Letitia, and just uh, really really happy to get to connect with you. Thank you, Zach. And uh, for everybody out there, check out the show notes, check out Zach's webpage. And uh, I just have to say until a new episode of Back to Basics. Thank you. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.